this definitely tickles that same itch. Tickles the itch? Scratches the itch. Hello and welcome to Dice Like Ice, episode number 14. I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the Jonathan Carnahan to my Rick O'Connell, Andrew Mitchell. Well, hey, mummy reference. Yeah, well, we're talking pyramids, which is why that yeah. gift you sent was hilariously prophetic a minute ago. Oh, man. It's like, uh, that's, that is a 90s action movie that just holds up. Oh, right? It's fantastic. The first, the first Mummy is genuinely just a very solid action adventure movie. Yeah, I would say that the Mummy is the second best Brendan Fraser movie. What's the first best? Uh, Airheads, obviously. Uh, I don't think I've actually seen <gasps> that one. Seriously? I I have had multiple friends talk about it, and I'm always like, "Have I seen?" That one? All right, listeners, we're going to take a 90 minute break in the podcast so Andrew can go watch Airheads real quick. <laughs> oh yeah, let's just uh, put in a loud cut noise right here. Oh hey, Airheads! Wow. Oh, yeah, no, I guess seriously. I will endeavor to watch Airheads between uh, now and uh, episode fifteen. Yeah, you're gonna have to because who knows? That might be. Uh, uh, if we have a third chair, I could do the guys from Airheads. It'd be <laughs> weird with two. There's three of them. Yeah. Next next time we have a guest. Exactly. <laughs> Brace yourself, listeners. But uh, yes, the Mummy is excellent. It, mummy two, I I like, but I acknowledge it's not a very good movie. And the third one, we just we don't talk about. We don't that talk one. about the third one. It's like the third kid. No one loves it. (laughs) I'm a third kid. That is a dramatic pause, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what we do. Oh, man. All right, third kid. What's our sponsor today? Oh, well, as always, we are sponsored by our friends Grip and Rip. Ooh, foamy. What are we drinking today, Tony? Oh, well, you know, seeing as it is Tuesday and I had tacos, we are going with Monday Night Brewing's Taco Tuesday Mexican Lager. Hey, thematic. Uh, and Ooh. my brew today... Crispy, I smooth, am doing, and bright. Um, crispy, smooth, and bright. That's what it says on the can, but it's correct. Ah, okay. Uh, let's nice. see. I am going with uh, Academia Brewing's Sour Syllabus Midnight Adventure uh, because it's getting warm and I don't necessarily want a stouter porter when it's that hot outside. Oh, you mean you're not so going to drink a milkshake with... tonight, Andrew? Not tonight. Um, so I just went with a nice sour. This one is a, a sour beer with pineapple, cherry, and pomegranate. Uh, I, I What's that one called again? Uh, Academia Sour Syllabus 2 Midnight Adventure. I I think I had that one when I went there a couple of months ago and got a flight. It's pretty good. It just tastes like a sour beer. I'm really not getting many notes of cherry, pineapple, or pomegranate, yeah. but it's it's just a, a decent all-around sour beer. Uh, they Yeah, I got their flight that was mostly sours. They had one they brewed with cheer wine. Um, negative oh. 10 out of 10. Do not recommend. Uh, that sounds like something that would either be incredibly bad or amazing <laughs> so one of my buddies that i was there with fucking loved it i was i got halfway through the little fucking like four ounce pour of it was like no nah, I'm, I'm cool you, you can have the rest tastes like cough syrup yeah it really did like not good cough syrup either yeah because there's so much good cough syrup out there <laughs> there's a sliding scale <laughs> that's true it's does it taste like fucking napalm going down or not one of them doesn't make me fucking turn my head all the way to the right and shake when i taste it it's <laughs> the visceral reaction when yeah. you drink it but you know exactly what i'm talking about because you've done it too 
Oh yeah, I I, I, I do. It's like like that proper cough syrup that's like prescribed yeah. when you have like strep throat or something. Oh, that's miserable. Oh, We're like, I have strep throat, so it's worth it. But holy shit! <laughs> oh man, you gotta love oh, the uh, the codeine cough syrup though. I mean, that stuff will knock you out. Hell that's yeah, the good stuff. <laughs> that's uh, that's for when you're proper sick. I get bronchitis <laughs> twice a year, almost like clockwork. Oh, uh, yeah. all right, Andrew. Uh, I know it's been about three weeks again since we recorded. Which we've really got to break the habit of that. Well, it's just a combination of you've been busy at work, and I had to go to my sister's wedding in Spain. Yeah. So that that was a whole fucking week. And then talking about being sick and needing the good cough syrup, I did not catch COVID when I came back, but holy shit, you did I something. get a cold. <laughs> I took two COVID tests, both came up negative, so I, I was just normal-ass travel crud. Yeah. Sounded <laughs> like you smoked two packs a day for the better part of 30 years. Oh my god, it was fucking awful. Like I'm still, I'm like ninety five percent over it, but uh, you might occasionally hear I'm a little bit phlegmy. So uh, sorry in advance for that, listeners. Ugh. All right, Rondo, what kind of hobby progress you got done? Uh, I'll meet you at the casino and tell you about it. <laughs> I can't do that. Take a drag on your Virginia Slim. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Let me get my lucky strikes. Okay. Hobby progress. So this is a little bit before and a decent bit after I got back from Spain. Uh, so the before, uh, keeping on that Necromunda train, because uh, boy is it the main thing I'm enjoying in the hobby right now. Uh, I painted up two Servitor Ogrens because it's just a fun kit and I want them. And uh, uh, Matt ended up using one in a game relatively recently, and it did amazingly well against uh, Bobby's... Uh, not Fansar, that's what she's building now. Oh, uh, Orlocks at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, sure, I've, I've wanted that kit for a while. I'll pick one up. And so I got them. And, uh, from, uh, a suggestion from you, I painted them up to look like Mario and Wario. I think, I think we talked <laughs> which, about this on last episode, but you had just did. started them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've finished them since then. Uh, came out very well. I actually think the, uh, the one I painted up to look like Mario might be some of the best skin I've ever painted. Um, that just, I, I did, a, I, I felt like a pretty good job on the wet blending there. It came out pretty well, I think. Um, uh, the Wario one, super fun. Just nothing nothing says ready to murder like big yellow fists in a purple fucking overall suit. <laughs> <laughs> so those were great. Um, I also, just to keep it on the Necromunda big guys train, painted up two Ambots. Um, and you really only need one Ambot for your gang. So, you know, whatever. There was just a fun kit. So I just went, went wild with one of them. So I painted up one. I, I stapled on a bunch of, like, spare blades. I had some orc plating and stuff I put on it. So I just, I, I made it look like a big, scary scrap metal Ambot. My, my thinking, it was either, like like a repurposed one that had been salvaged or maybe it's a little bit chaos corrupted depending on what I end up playing in a campaign who knows um, put some skulls on its shoulder pad covered it in blood made it look really rusty it's just kind of a fun one I I painted that guy up in one sitting because painting up big rusty effects is really fast and easy and it's super fun and loose watered down uh, skag then, brown yeah no it was uh what did I do I based the whole thing <laughs> excuse me sour syllabus kicking back goodness um Based the whole thing, lead belcher, uh, washed it null oil, waited for that to dry, washed it agrax, waited for that to dry. Uh, then I stippled all over with rhinox hide, and then I super thinned down um, scrag brown, like you said, and just hit the cracks with that. And then a couple of like the higher patches I hit with uh, troll slayer orange to really get that like new rust look. It came out very well, I thought. Uh, hit a couple of corners with Necron Compound, so it looks like it scraped that off, and it's like the fresh metal showing underneath it. And then just slap Blood for the Blood got all over it. It is a, it's a messy boy. I, a fun model. And then the other one, 
I wanted to look a little bit uh, newer, like it, it had gotten off the, the line relatively recently. So I kind of painted it to look like a Tonka truck. It's bright yellow <laughs> and it has caution stripes all over it. And it was just it was just a fun little thing. Yellow I like is it a, a lot. fun color to paint now. I used to hate I... it. But ever since the invention of Averland Sunset base paint, yellow is a great color. Oh, my God. Give me that mustard paint. That right. that I really makes it. it makes it so easy. And I really like painting yellow mm-hmm. like uh, give me yellow any day over white. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So painted him up. Uh, very fun. So I'm I'm more and more excited to keep playing Necromunda after we finished our first campaign. So I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, I was between projects because I was waiting for my Ash Wastes box to come in. Uh, this is before I went to Spain. My last thing before then. Uh, and so I looked on my my shelf, uh, my, my my pile of shame, and I was like, oh, what haven't I finished over here? What's something I can crank out easy? I pulled out my four Crimson Court vampires for our uh, Warhammer Underworlds. I, I had gotten them to like 80% done, but never actually finished them. And so I just sat down and finished them over the course of like three or four hours. And great kits. Awesome. Threw them right in my D&D box because I have no intentions of actually using them for Warhammer. But they're going to be <laughs> awesome vampire minis for some campaign someday. Yeah, they're, they're uh, beautiful, beautiful minis. Oh, fantastic sculpts. Like like we said last episode, Warhammer Underworld is where, where they go to throw in some of the best Age of Sigmar sculpts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to Spain, and I as I was getting on the first plane for my long, long journey, I got a notification on my phone saying, hey, your Ashways box, box got delivered. And I'm like, fuck, now I have to wait a week knowing it's at home and I can't do anything about it. And so that was on my mind the entire time I was there, enjoying beautiful scenery and my, my sister's lovely wedding and everything. And then I got home and I was super sick and I didn't give a shit. I took I slammed some Dayquil and I built that thing. I got the <laughs> entire kit built other than the Orlocks, which I sold to Matt. Uh, I, I got it all primed. I, Did you I, do uh, it all in one sitting? Two settings. Oh, okay. uh, that's 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 too much models for a a well person to do, let alone someone who is uh, in a in a dayquil haze. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's holy shit, dude. I did get, I got all the terrain built in one sitting, and then I did the the nomads in the second sitting. Um, so I I was just I it was a long week. I had a very I my flights back. I let's see. I started off in Spain. I flew just because of some fuckery that one of the air air airlines did with me i it took so much time to figure out how the fuck i was going to get home and get different flights set up so i started in spain flew to amsterdam this is with a two to three hour layover between each flight uh flew to amsterdam flew to dublin dublin i had to get a covid test to get back into the country so i'm running across the airport trying to get that i run back to my gate or i'm running towards my gate and then i get a notification saying hey your covid test was uh inconclusive you need to get another one so i had to run back across the airport got another one Ran to the security. Had to go through security twice because there's so many American visitors to Ireland that Dublin just has an American security checkpoint in it. So I was essentially able to power slide onto my flight from Dublin to New York, three-hour layover in New York, and then fly back home to Atlanta. Oh, my God. 36-ish hours of travel overall uh, after a couple of uh, flights getting delayed. I was very ready to hobby. I just needed to fucking zen out and not think about anything. <laughs> and so I just built that box and it is built. And then I was sick for a fucking week and a half after I got back from that. And so since then I have fully painted my, my nomads gang. <laughs> they are completely done based in everything. So it was a very productive ill period of my life. 
Um, and now I'm started on a box of hive scum because uh, I picked up that pretty awesome uh, Necromunda like map poster that they released with Ash Wastes, which of course is just expensive enough to be more expensive than I want to pay for a poster, but not expensive enough to get the free shipping. So <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck it. I want some hive scum for Necromunda. So I went ahead and got those as well. And they're about half done. I got them all based. I just haven't gotten to the washes yet. And uh, that is my hobby progress and a little bit of my flight itinerary. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? What have you gotten done since I've been fucking globetrotting? So I I still got a so-so amount done. Uh, I got uh, the Norse Blood Bowl team in. Hell yep. And, you know, we were talking about uh, I was going to run Skaven at Nova. Uh, I think I'm going to run Norse now. So I got all those guys built up. I got one of them fully painted in a black and yellow color scheme. My Pigsburg Steelers, I'm really happy with how they look. Uh, yep, all yep, the yep. others are at about 85%. Uh, I've just got to do lighting the skin tones back up on them <clears throat> and then highlighting some details. Still got to do transfers on them. Oh, also, Andrew, I got in Microsoft and Microset to yeah. try out. So we'll see how bad yeah, I love me... that shit. Let me know how that goes. I still need to get a set so I can do transfers on my Blood Bowl stuff yeah, as well. If I had to guess, probably poorly for the first 10 or 12 tries because it's me trying something new. Well, you definitely have a few sets of leftover Space Marine transfers. Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. With. I only have 22 years in this hobby. I don't think I got any transfer sheets lying around I can spare. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're just so rare and difficult to get your hands I mean, on. There's actually a fucking old Imperial Guard one literally right here on my desk in front of me. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I will never, ever use this weird fucking blue and yellow C circle. Well, there you go. There's my test. Time. You got some practice fodder. Exactly. So after I got those guys all finished up building, I got them all primed and stuff, and I was like, you know, we were going to do uh, zombies and undead is my half as the Age of Sigmar doubles, so I'm going to go ahead and 180 on that as well, and I'm rolling back into Skaven. So I rebased a couple of my Skaven in that swamp theme that we were doing, uh, yeah. and it's, it's turned out pretty good. It's easy enough to rebase those where I don't have a problem with it. And then I started a little bit of work on the Screaming Bell, because I think that might be one of the heroes I run in it. Then, uh, you know, last episode I was talking about I was converting up the Cawdor guys for Necromunda. The Cawdor. The Cawdor. Converting them with the Corvus Cabal, which uh, at that point I had converted, I think, five of them, just kind of as a proof of concept, and painted up two of them. Uh, I'm now at a grand total of 22 of those guys. Yeah, that's about what you need for a Cawdor gang. Yeah, I think I can make about six more with the bits I've got. Uh, But I've got a bunch of loadouts, a bunch of fucking juves, and my starting game for next Wednesday, so uh, a week from tomorrow, uh, at time of recording, so probably, you know, four or five days from release. uh, Those guys are at least 65% painted. Then I went and I was like, you know, I want to paint all my bases separate because I I found a recipe and a style that I liked for it and I used, and I painted up all 20 bases plus a large base for an Ambot because I had one sitting around uh, in that nice hazard stripe scheme I've been using. I'm super happy with how those turned out. Like, they look really solid. That so, that masking tape is is doing oh, you good. It really is. And then the water down. I mean, it was basically the exact same, um, like dirtying up and rust pattern that you used on yours as well. It was hit it with a coat of null coat of null oil. Uh, the spatter, cult of null. The oil. cult of null oil. Raise um, the oil. <laughs> pretty much, man. Uh, then hit it with some spots of agrax to like fill in some of the bits on it, like the, the holes and things. Um, then go through with water down Skag Brown, 
and some of the recesses. Uh, I didn't use a bright orange on it because I didn't want it, the base to pop too much. And then yeah. just a little bit of dry brush and scratching with Necron Compound and um, whatever the new Mithril Silver is that I can never remember the name. I think it's Stormhost. Stormhost, yeah. Yeah, just to put some, some scratches back in the floor over the hazard striping. And then the only other bit of hobby progress I got was our GW store is having its, well, had its anniversary this past week. And one of the things he did, Brian, the manager out there, is uh, he pulled out the big old chart of Space Marine chapters, which is a chart of 100 old school Space Marine chapters. And you got a D100 and you rolled it and what you got was what you got. That was the chapter that you were supposed to paint one of the Primaris lieutenants of. So, you know, you, you paid like the $5 for the little fucking Warhammer magazine that comes with the lieutenant with the Volkite pistol and the shield. And I rolled uh, I rolled up there. I was like, I really want to paint something I haven't painted before. I was like, I've never really painted orange. There's one orange chapter on there. And I fucking rolled like the 63 or whatever that was those guys. So I lucked nice. out. Uh, my 30% psychic struck again. And uh, I got to paint the Knights of Graphone, which have zero backstory or fluff to them whatsoever. There's nothing. Like, yeah, I'd never heard of them. I hadn't either. I just thought it was a cool orange color scheme. But like on all the, the like Lexicanum and stuff, founding, unknown, homeworld, unknown, successor chapters, unknown. It's like, well, all right. What's, what's known about them? They're fucking orange. That's it. That, that was the, hey, artist, uh, come up with some bullshit. We'll fill in the details later if we need it. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what it was. But um, it was the first time I've ever painted anything orange that wasn't, you know, like a small detail on something or like a fucking person's hair. So uh, I, I did heavy, heavy dry brush on it, but I still did it like quickly in succession where it was still almost wet as I dry brush. So it was this weird kind of blending. Uh, if you go to my Instagram, you can actually see pictures of it where it actually looks right. Uh, I also ordered a little bit more stuff for the Skaven while it was still in stock. I got a couple of storm, or a box of storm vermin coming in. Uh, I won an eBay auction for uh, a pair of weapon teams, uh, which actually ended up being two more rattling guns and a warp fire thrower. And I also ordered a hell pit abomination, which is such a cool model. That's a great model. It really is. And uh, Andrew, you know how I have um, a lack of that thing called impulse control sometimes. What? No, yeah, I definitely no, don't suffer mean. the same thing. <laughs> so I was just kind of surfing on barter bucket, as you do. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, hey, I've got a whole bunch of old school first and second edition metal tyranids. He's like, I'll take 50 bucks for him. I PM that dude within 45 seconds of him posting that and paid him within three minutes of him posting it. Wow. Uh, there were about two or three dozen people being like, ooh, ooh, me, me, me. And I got it. And it arrived the other day. And I'm just going to, like, that's the rattle in that mm. box. But, I mean, it's everything from... First edition, first edition warriors. There's a first edition uh, screamer card effects in there. A bunch of old metal gargoyles. It's so great. It's just the doofy fucking tyrannids. Breathe in that lead dust. Oh my god. Mm. Well, it also had um, a lictor in there, which the like one of the newer lictors because it's still the same style, like, except it's yeah. metal instead of fine cast, and those go for like twenty seven right now. So I was like, about to say, the, the old school Screamer goes for like 50 bucks. You, you can easily make your money back. Yeah, or I could paint it in my doofy color scheme and just have some doofy shit in my army. It would be pretty funny, especially if you ended up using them for Kill Team oh, and you have those yeah. weird old, uh, like, noodly termagants and all that. Uh, and the long neck warriors. Oh, those are so fucking goofy. <laughs> dumb as shit ever, and I 
fucking love them. Listeners, if you why. haven't seen what the Tyranids used to be, just give give Rogue Trader Tyranids a browse. Give First Edition Tyranids a browse. It's it's very silly. Yeah, just Google it. Look at it. Go. Why do these idiots like it? And then just unfollow us because that's what it's we do. A, it's that fun level of like, yeah, we know it's stupid, but that's what makes it cool. Exactly. Exactly. Because I again, I have no nostalgia for them. I didn't join the hobby until 2010, so like there's like they're just very silly, and I love how goofy they are. New Tyranids, new Tyranids, not old Tyranids. Let me rephrase yeah. that. Were a new thing when I first started the hobby. Like new stuff for them had just started coming out in the late 90s, early 2000s. Very obvious uh, Starship Trooper influences on those. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, and then uh, also I ordered. Uh, metric fuck ton of the store anniversary models because like everyone in the group wanted one so i think i think it was nine or ten that i ended up ordering from brian so uh let me guess you got the coin on that one huh uh no he was out of the coin because it was i ordered like the last day of the month Uh, i did however Ah. get all of the store anniversary things so like a set of pens uh, a coffee mug which is actually a really nice fucking travel mug that i'm kind of excited about uh a warhammer like satchel backpack thing that is Pretty sure identical yes. to the one I've already got. Oh, uh, Andrew, I saw that satchel backpack. I was actually interested in getting one. Yeah. Uh, if it's the same one as the ones I've got right now, I'll give it to you. It Fuck also yeah. comes with a wallet with a cruel boy shield on it. So that's all you got. <laughs> <laughs> I have been looking for a new wallet, just not necessarily one with my nerd shit on it. Well, and I'm pretty sure it's Velcro. So you can relive your oh. fucking late oh. 90s childhood. Fourth grade Andrew coming down the street, y'all. Just nothing like, hold on, let me get you my ID, officer. Yeah, nothing like opening up my Velcro wallet to the nothing that's inside of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, it also came with like a really nice set of metal, of two metal D6s. Nice. So, um, what I'll do were they that. giving out the, uh, like the metal objective markers too, or was that a previous no, thing? No, that was a previous thing for Indominus. Mm. Which is a shame. I would have seen those, but a lot of there. A lot of their store stuff kind of blends together for me since I typically skip it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I work right down the road from it. And usually when it's an anniversary or something like that, I can get enough people to at well, least yeah, get all the free almost, shit, and I'll take that as my you know, tax for getting it for $750 worth of orders on your belt. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was $350 of just the store anniversary models. Yeah, no, those, because they're, they're not cheap. They're not the craziest models that they have, but, you know, 35 bucks a pop and everybody wants at least one, so... Yeah. I got um I got the Inquisitor. I didn't care for the Cruel Boy. It's not my style. Yeah, you know I got Cruel Boy's army, so I might but as well. That but uh, fucking man, cool. I I don't know if I want to just paint him as the Inquisitor or if I want to Necromunda weirdo him up. But that is just a fucking cool model. It really is. And they're probably gonna go for like a hundred bucks on eBay at least. But that's uh, that's mine. I don't care. Exactly. No, but yeah, that's uh, that's it for hobby progress with me, uh, Andrew. I know you've been sick and out of town, so revelous in the amount of games you managed to play well uh before i left i managed to get a half of a blood bowl match in with you yes uh that was a really fucking bloody blood it bowl really match. was man every game of blood bowl i have played has definitely put the blood in blood bowl which is good that's how it should be played if it's just touchdowns you're not doing it right that's fair so uh yeah my um necromantic horrors so the uh the the spooky halloween people uh versus your new uh 
damn, this is sour. Yeah. Uh, versus your new uh, Norse Raiders, uh, who at the time were, I think you had one test model kind of painted. Oh, uh, no, they were they were fresh assembled for that game. Right, 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 yeah. Um, like, I'm pretty sure so, the yeah. glue was still fucking drying on those guys when we played. you might have got them Zenithaled and that's it. But, uh, yeah, it was very fresh. Um, it was a very fast match. Uh, my werewolf got a touchdown pretty quickly. Your Valkyrie got a touchdown pretty quickly. And then we proceeded to just punch each other for fucking seven turns. Yeah. And you were down to, like, what, four people left on your team? Yeah, and I think you and... only had, like, six. Yeah, you, you'd taken out one of my flesh golems. You took out, I think, all but one of my zombies. Yeah, I like, got at was, least was... one of your werewolves. And I think the other was knocked out. Because yeah, both of my Valkyries pretty, were dead. <laughs> it was a pretty brutal match, but uh, it was getting late, so we had to call it before the end. But um, yeah, when one, I got... One-one tie. Yes, one-one tie, which is a pretty reoccurring theme with Blood Bowl in yeah, our game, really gaming group. Uh, and then I got back from Spain, and once I got to the point where I wasn't feeling 100% miserable, and I was pretty sure I didn't have COVID after you know two COVID tests being negative, uh, I masked up just so I didn't didn't give anybody my cold, and we played yet another Blood Bowl match. Same thing, Norse, Norse Raiders against my Spirit of Halloween. Um, almost as bloody, but it was it was bloody over the course of an actual whole game as opposed to a half of a game. Yeah. Um, there there were some. There was some back and forth on that one, it, man. It your was. beer pig was hands down the MVP oh, of your God. team because he got back something like five stunned players over the course of the game. Yeah, pretty which much is, every uh, time there was somebody down in his thing, he stood him right back up. Uh, it's so clutch to be able to get a player back a turn early. Um, you proxied in a Yeti, uh, which did pretty fucking well. Yeah, like the Given that it has the loner trait and the animal savagery trait... Ooh, Damn, this I don't think you should drink any more of those sours, pal. That's, I'm not even half done with this one, and I sound like I've had a six-pack. Um, even though he has the animal savagery trait and, and loner, uh, you only failed like one of those roles the entire game. He stayed in the whole time. Yeah, uh, I think it, it, was... it wasn't the animal savagery I failed. It was to hit your fucking ghost. Oh, yeah, that was it. He 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 got scared by my ghost once, a, a one out of six roll to, to not be able to hit my ghost because they're too spooky, and that's the only thing he failed all game. Yeah, he was um, he was dropping bodies, too. I did have one really good tackle, or one of my zombie players went for a... Or no, it was my ghoul. My ghoul runner went for a block against him and oh, successfully yeah. hit him, and then we rolled armor checks. I failed, and you rolled, I think, a 11 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, where he died. And then... And then we rolled the arm, or the injury check, and he just flat died. My ghoul tackled your Yeti so hard that he exploded, and your Yeti was totally fine. <laughs> uh, I know. It feels like he just, like, hit the Yeti and just pulled him down on top of himself and just broke the Yeti's fall. Well, that was on me for tackling with a ghoul. They're pretty squishy to begin with, but, uh, you know, I was feeling lucky. Hey, I, I, it, was, it bought a turn I, where my Yeti wasn't in it. I did hit you, so, Shit. you know success <laughs> um no but there was it was just like i said vicious and bloody there was just we'll put post pictures up on the instagram there were there were two solid instances where everybody was clustered in one spot just tackling yeah. each other back and forth every time someone get the ball they would immediately get sacked uh we had a couple of good attempted passes that fucked up horribly mm -hmm. we had uh my mvp you were we were tied one to one right up until the end I think it was two rounds until the end. Your Valkyrie had the ball. She was four spaces away from the end zone, which she has a movement of like eight, so it wouldn't have been a problem. I had one option. All I had, stupid I had a, 
I had a ghost that was in a your Yeti's tackle zone, so I had to make an agility check, which they have decent agility. It wasn't that bad, but it's a it was you know a fucking sixty six percent chance to pass, which means it's dice like ice. I'm probably gonna fail yeah. it. Shockingly enough, I did not fail it. I was able to blitz, run forward, and somehow actually tackle your Valkyrie and cause her to drop the ball. It was the most clutch sack I have had in the game so far. Yeah. Because you were absolutely going to win if, if I failed that. I know. And then, then I had that lineman right there at the end, too, who's like, oh, man, he's gonna he's just got to get away from this ghoul he's on, pick up the ball, and he's fucking home free to the end zone, and just fails the fucking agility check and gets killed by the ghoul as he turns around. Yep. Like, well, that was he just, just turns to go for the ball and then just, <laughs> yeah, just gets stabbed right in the back of the head. <laughs> so, good time. Very fun. Oh, one yeah. to one. No feel bad. It, it didn't feel like anybody was getting particularly fucked during the entire game. It was it was pretty fun and vicious the whole time, as as Blood Bowl should be. So, Andrew and I have a 0-0-2 zero, zero record against each other. Yep. We are... Uh, these two teams. We're just very average against each other. Yeah, seriously. Uh, and that's all my games played. What else have you had? Uh, so I had three more games in addition to R2. Uh, the first one was... Uh, well, actually, they were both games against Matt. The first one was uh, the same night we played our first game. And I threw into his uh, Shambling Undead. Which, that game, I don't think he failed to break armor when he fucking hit. Just in general or with the Mummy Lords? Uh, in the general, Mummy Lords are fucking brutal. In general, that was the one where every time one of his hit, they got out of action. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> in both of us, we just we just rolled like fucking fire. And it ended in a one-to-one tie. Yep. And then our the next game I played against him was a, a full game. He had um, Scroll Half-Height. Is that the dude with the arm who throws? Yeah, the... Uh, Which, out the of context, listener, sounds very strange. He's a, a, a zombie dwarf with an arm that he's holding that he uses to throw. It's a it's a gag pose. Yeah. He's holding a wood elf player's. It's he's fantastic. like holding the wood elf thrower's arm to throw the ball with. It's it's fantastic, uh, but that was a good one. It was back and forth. I think he scored in the first half on like turn seven, and then it whipped around, and I got the receive kickoff, and I scored on like turn two of the second half, and it ended in a one to one draw. So in my four games of Blood Bowl, I am zero zero and four, all of which with you know, one to one draws. If we can manage to tie every single Blood Bowl game at the Nova tournament, that's pretty good. It's probably middle of the pack. Middle of the pack, like I was at uh, at Nola. Uh, Nola Open. I mean, you know, uh, distinctly average. I could take it. And then uh, I got one more game in. It was a game of Kill Team, actually, against yeah. uh, Will's brother, Henry. He was using Tau, and I was using my Tyranids. And Jesus, that was a bloody game. Uh... He was using stealth team towel and burst cannons are fucking mean as shit. When that game ended, I beat him by, I think, one point in, in, in objectives. And when the game ended, the only thing left was he had one wounded Pathfinder, uh, one almost dead stealth suit. Uh, I had one warrior with two wounds left and a gene stealer that was pretty beat up. And that was it. That was all that was on the table after five Damn. turns. Like, it was fucking savage. So, but that was Sounds a good like game. It. it was a fun game. It was it was close, and it was very back and forth. But that How was... The, a... uh, the, the Tyranids hold up? Because the one one game I watched with you with them, they, they seem to be pretty brutal against uh, Will's Orcs. They're pretty fucking mean. Uh, the Gene Stealers always having... Uh, always being hidden, 
even when something has a vantage point, if they've got a conceal token, you still can't target them, is pretty damn good. Right. And then the warriors have 14 or 16 wounds apiece. So they're just fucking hard to shake loose. But yeah, they're yeah, uh, they're pretty fucking mean. That's, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, like I said, if uh, they can ref- I, I I need a new addition. I want the rules to be not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you're it's, just bad it's, at shapes. It's got the bones of a good game. It's just She's got good everything bones. else. It's got good bones, but everything else it's just okay. 3 out of 5. Yeah. No, oh, but uh, that's, anyway. that's games played. So want to talk uh, just a little bit. Warhammer Fest was last week. Uh, Andrew, yep. anything really pop out for you at Warhammer Fest? Because only one or two things did for me. Yeah, by the time this comes out, we'll be uh, good and properly behind on the Warhammer Fest reveal, so we're not going to go over everything. But that being said, there was a lot of stuff I actually really liked on this one. Um, a lot of chaos, right? A lot of good chaos of stuff good in chaos. this one. Enough good chaos stuff that I'm getting back into chaos in some form or fashion. So we'll start off with uh, 40k chaos. Um, there's been a lot of rumors and, and teases that 40k chaos is going to be one of the next big releases for a couple of months now. And uh, they finally did good on that. And so they uh, released some stills of some new chaos possessed, which uh, people have been clamoring for. They've been claiming for that since pretty much I've been in the hobby. Those are some very old kits back before this new one. These new ones are awesome. Like, they, they're they leaning into the creepy chaos mutations in a good way. The way we, we discussed a couple episodes ago, how we want it to look, where it's not just, like, flesh tentacles, but a lot of, just a lot more variation in general. Because uh, the Definitely. last chaos kits, or the last possessed kits before this were the ones that came with um, Dark Vengeance, right? Uh, yeah, the, those were like the greater possessed or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that was, um... Oh, no, those, no, were, those were Shadow Spear that were the greater possessed. Shadow Spear, yeah. No, those, uh, those were the last, like, proper possessed. I thought they were possessed in the Dark Vengeance, that old, God, was that 7th, 6th edition set that had the, uh, Word Bearers and the Dark Angels? Uh, I don't think they were Word Bearers, I think they were, I think that was when they introduced the Crimson Corsairs or whatever. Oh, yeah, with whatever that, the kit, the chaos uh, lord kit, where he's got the sword and he's the, and he's got the horns and the spikes, you know, like chaos. Yeah. You, you know the model I'm talking about. I know the model. Um, yeah. The the new hell brute kit came out with that. Um, and the cultists. Which is, the cultists. The cultists were the new thing. The possessed, I think, were still old. Okay. But um, no, these are definitely brand new cult or brand new possessed. They look awesome. Looks like they're gonna have a shitload of variety. Tons of spare parts you can choose from. Uh, looks like it'd be pretty easy to get them to, to look like they're devoted to whatever particular flavor of chaos you enjoy. Um, after that, we have a brand new cultist kit. They look a lot more like, uh, what are they, the Servants of the Abyss or whatever from Yeah, they're, they're um, a lot Stone more Fortress. rogue guardsmen looking, which I really like. Yeah, it's like a mix of guardsmen and then like uh, a lot of like uh, kind of creepy, like a Baroque masks and stuff like that. A lot of, you know, horns and various other chaos spikes and such, but, uh, very distinctly like mortal followers of chaos, which I enjoy. Um, past that though, you get the mutants, which, uh, I'm pretty excited about getting some like, like lost in the damn vibes where these are like, uh, I guess they're just like chaos mutated cultists where they, you know, there's a guy who looks a bit like a, a pink horror. So he's got like a creepy gl- gross mouth in the middle of his chest, you know, the various tentacles and whatnot that you would expect. One guy who's just kind of looks like he's made out of blades. So that's <laughs> fun. Um, so these look like models. <laughs> really good Necromunda models. That's I'm probably not going to get 40 K chaos, but uh, these guys will be really good. If you're interested in a chaos, hell it's gang for Necromunda. Um, 
probably like the possessed will come with a shitload of options just so you can make whatever the hell you want to uh past that we got the torments which are like super mutants uh as far as i can tell they're supposed to be like possessed uh cultists that got to the point where the demons are just like bursting out of them uh this is some fucking like uh john carpenter's the thing type yeah, stuff these are le- these are legitimately gross in a really fun way uh, I, I'm excited to see what people do with these kits because just what they presented on the, the Warhammer Fest stream is really gnarly and really cool. Um, after that, there is a uh, the Dark Commune, which is a uh, like cabal of mortal sorcerers who are an HQ choice, which I'm assuming are probably going to buff up cultists or something. Although we don't have any real rules for them yet. Um, I do really like the fact that they're leaning into the mortal side of chaos a lot more right now, and that it looks like it's possibly feasible to run a mortal chaos army instead of just space marines it seems like a good way to like i was saying like bring back the loss in the damned without having to do like a proper loss in the damn book yeah because they already said on the the stream that all of these are pretty much going to be usable for most of the chaos stuff i don't know if like the new torments are necessarily going to work with i don't know death guard or thousand suns but like they all have cultists they all have spawn they all have uh you know uh, possessed, so they, they can easily slot into whatever your particular flavor of chaos is. Um, so they were pretty cool. Uh, that's pretty much all I gave a shit about on the 40k side of things. Um, they showed the League of Votan hoverbike. It, it looks fine. It, I don't like the hover pads. It, it would look a lot cooler if it just had like big, like big chunky motorcycle wheels, yeah, you know, kind of like the old squats. I'm going to go ahead and plead the fifth on uh, the line of those guys. Yeah, like, I... I see potential in them, is all I'll say. They, what they've shown so far has been distinctly meh, but there might be something that blows me out of the water in a bit. Who knows? The Necromunda um, ones are so much better looking. And uh, I don't know if that's just because, like, Necromunda's supposed to be doofy and fucking weird. But I, they look so much better in that setting than they do in 40k to me. That's true. I was going to save them for last, but since Tony brought them up, we got the Squat Prospectors for Necromunda, a brand new gang, uh, which I'm pretty sure one or both of us speculated might be a thing once they uh, initially teased the squats coming back. Uh, Yeah, I believe uh, believe Phil made a bet on that, Phil, if you're listening. If you're listening, Phil. Phil. We did not bet any money or anything, but yeah, Phil. Yeah, Phil. We talked about it. We did talk about it. Now, these guys are awesome. They yeah. they give me hard Deep Rock Galactic vibes, which is a fantastic, like, Left 4 Dead-style shooter about space dwarves going mining, which is, it's just what those guys are, and it's awesome. These kits are fantastic. Rock I'm absolutely... Rock and stone, baby. Rock and stone for Carl. Um, no, I'm absolutely getting a gang of these guys. They look so much fun. Uh, they already showed off one of their new brutes, which is... It's, it's essentially the Big Daddy from Bioshock, yes. but with, like... But with like 40k vibes and it's just like between them and the nomads i am so goddamn excited for necromunda lately yeah the, uh, they also announced the book of the outlands which is just going to be the, the rules for all of them and the ash wastes so it's just it's going to be good stuff coming up in the future yeah the the dread squat is probably my favorite model from the fucking reveal uh because it's, it's, it's so so peak doofy as fuck it's it's simultaneously very stupid and very cool. Like it's it's got some very cool aesthetic stuff to it, but its proportions are very silly in a fun way. Yeah. It's ah, it's they knocked it out of the park with the the Necromunda squats. Um, 
Let's see. They revealed a couple of new books I don't give a shit about, but one of them, but they they both have uh, hero figures coming out with them. Yeah. One of them's a Caradron Overlord, which I don't care about, but the other one is a vampire hero called Kato Ezekiah. Uh, he is a awesome sculpt. He's yeah, up there with Crimson Court. Beautiful fucking sculpt. It looks like it could have been the fifth member of the Crimson Court. Easily, and I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to have specific rules for Soulblight Grave Lords himself. I assume he would, but if not, he would still just make a, a fucking awesome, just generic vampire lord model. That is a really cool mini. Um, skipping that one, and from there, uh, continuing on to Age of Sigmar, we got the uh, Ogroid Theradons, uh, which cool. I think are really. Cool. I think they're cool. Like these are these are cool enough. I really think I might make an, 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 an a slaves to darkness army at some point because i've been i've been teasing getting into them at some point because uh their new knights were really cool the new uh 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 what is it the chaos lord on karkadrak i want to yeah. say like every the, the time they reveal something dragon. slaves of darkness you, you go mm, i think i'm gonna get into them soon just fucking do it pull the fucking trigger andrew do it i'm going to with these ogre theradons i'm absolutely going to because i love the idea of a super elite heavy slaves to darkness army where it's just big ogres because i like this flavor of ogre where they're like half ogre half minotaur way better than i like the chubby hun aesthetic they have with the rest of their ogre yeah. line um so I'm I'm definitely getting into that. Uh, they also revealed the uh, what is it called? The horns of Heshut, um, which uh, myself and a lot of other people are a little questionable of because Heshut was the chaos dwarf god, but this particular war cry band is humans. That was an interesting yeah, choice. A weird one. Uh, but even though I don't particularly care for how they look, I will say they showed the Lumineth that it is totally possible to make a bull helmet that doesn't look fucking stupid. <laughs> like, most of the guys have bull helmets that are actually kind of cool. And the Lumineth still looks stupid and will always look stupid. Um, yeah, God, the they, last they thing could have been so much better. Oh, easily, yeah. Like, the bull helmet is the only cool thing about the, the Horns of a Shut. They, they're just, like, otherwise very generic chaos cultisty kind of dudes. Um, but... Alongside them is a model that uh, whips ass. The Centaurian Marshal, which is a four... He's Goro, but a centaur. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, a big four-armed centaur guy with a spear, a mace, an axe, and a net. He's got kind of a gladiator aesthetic going on. Uh, he's supposed to be kind of like a neutral hero, like the Fomoroid Crusher or the Ogroid Myrmidon that Warcry has also had. Uh, very cool model. Just this plus the new Ogroid line, I'm I'm definitely going to be doing some Slaves to Darkness at some point in the future. Yeah, they're pretty neat. Uh, I want to jump in on the Sigmar side because they also teased a bunch of stuff, or I guess fully showed a bunch of stuff at this point, for uh, Echoes of Doom, which is the new start box, which is uh, Skaven and Sylvaneth, and those Sylvaneth sculpts are fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Lady, Lady of Vines, Vines and uh, the fucking weird winged fairy things that are with her. Dude, That's a very, like, 80s fairies art aesthetic. Very, like, really Dark Crystal is. kind of vibes. And uh, on the other side of it, there is the only new Skaven sculpt they've shown so far, which a lot of people are very, very fucking salty and pissed off about. But, I mean, I'm just happy we're getting new rules. There's one new model. There was a whole new Warcry Warband that came out for them. Like... Or not Warcry, uh, Underworld's Warband that came out for them. I think we're probably going to see more new models when the Codex gets released, uh, which is 
looking like it's going to be mid-June. Because uh, it is the next Chaos Codex release is going to be Skaven. But uh, yep. the Skaven half comes with 10 Storm Vermin, uh, fucking Screaming Bell, the 20 Clan Rats, and that badass new Assassin model. Oh, that uh, Deathmaster, is that it? Yeah, it's No, it has, super... a, it has a goofy new name. Oh, it? uh, it's because it's an he's named in there. Um, oh, let's see. There's Gracier Skrit is technically Skrit. the main hero in it. Who's the one on the fucking... Oh, the Screaming Bell. Screaming Bell. I love that it's 42 miniatures, and uh, only 10 of them are fucking Sylphaneth. The other 32 yeah. are Skaven. Well, I'm sure the uh, the Lady of Vines can rip through about mm, 90% of those Skaven on her own. So. Well, yeah, and it comes with the fucking, the cool fairy motherfuckers with bows. And the, what are the, Gossmead Archers is what they're called? Yeah. Yeah, and then it comes with one of the big fucking Treemen things, too. Oh, yeah, like the, the Spirit of Durthu or whatever. Yeah, like this, the value in this box is actually absurd. Because you're oh, looking, yeah, if you're a well, I mean, for either side, you're looking just for the screaming bell and the storm vermin alone is a uh, 130. Yeah, if you're a Sylvaneth or Skaven player, this is yeah. a pretty much instant buy box. I, and then it, if you're not it's pretty much in, buy a half, get a half free. Yeah, if you're not interested in the other half, sell it off, and you pretty much got a box for free. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that Lady of Vines model that is uh, that is some good stuff. I uh, really boy, that's no uh, I'm not crazy huge on, like, the new fairy aesthetic, but I can tell it's, like, it's good. Those are good sculpts. It's just not my particular yeah. flavor. Uh, yeah. Um, new Horus Heresy! I mean, that's a really big thing for a lot of people. Not for I'm not these one two of them. guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, if I like Space Marines, I might be a lot more interested, but I just, I just really don't give a shit about the normal Space Marine look. Is a guy who likes Space Marines? I don't need another rule set of Space Marines. I mean, they might be fun if you want to get some cool firstborn space marines for your existing 40k army because it's a good way to get it's a good way to get beaky space marines that are uh, pretty true. appropriate like proportions compared to the old models. Uh, but, uh, I will say, I really like how they're doing the heavy weapons. Yes, yeah, their own individual kits to add on is a very smart way to do it. Oh my god! Especially if they're not Forge World. Oh my god, Andrew, Andrew, go back yeah, to yes, the Echoes of Doom box. Yes. Okay. Scroll through the miniatures on it until you get to the 3D view of the fucking, the tree dude with the bow. Because he has a tiny little pet fucking animal, I don't even know what to call this, fucking spider snakeapede with a stump on its back that's his quiver that runs around next to him. Oh yeah, the, uh, what is it, the Kurinoth Hunters or whatever? Yes, that's fucking yeah. great. I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. notice that until moments ago. And that's fantastic. Yeah, those, are, those have been out since the Sylvaneth range came out, and those are those are pretty solid models. I really like the tree men aesthetic of the Sylvaneth. I just uh, yeah. I'm not huge on like the half elf dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it's no longer available. Are, are we sure it didn't release already? I'm absolutely positive. Okay. Well, uh, you heard it here, folks. You already fucking missed it. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm sure it's on something. I'll look on. Uh. Horus Heresy, yeah, there are, there are some cool models in the Horus Heresy kit. I like the two uh, lieutenant guys, the guy with the big axe and the guy with the huge mustache. Um, yeah, that's fair. They're, they're fun for space marines, but, you know, they're space marines, whatever. Uh, I am excited for some of those tanks, though, because I would like to orc them up at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'm, the new, um, it's not a, is it a Spartan is the new one? I think it is. 
The one with the big, like, two cannon turret on it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's good potential. We're just not Horus Heresy, guys. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much all the stuff from Warhammer Fest that, you know, really stuck out to Andrew and I. Yep. Slaves of Darkness and Squats, those are the big ones. But, like, Squat Squats, not Leagues of Votan Squats. Because for some reason, the Necromunda ones... I still... I do like how the Necromunda ones are still called Squats, even though apparently that's a, an insult to them. But they're still just called the Squat Prospectors. So, Squats versus Leagues of Votan. Uh, Alright, so for our main segment of this episode, uh, Andrew and I are going to talk... Uh, talk food pyramid from the 90s but but instead of food we're going to replace it with our hobby stuff so we're going to call this our hobby food pyramid like the uh the parts of the hobby that are critical to us and things that are just tasty little treats that we like every once in a while so that's the mummy reference from earlier. that's the mummy reference from earlier food pyramid it's all it's all connected we're smart we're good at this thing 14 episodes we got this the hobby pyramid or as it's called in kill team the hobby one inch mark oh my fucking god (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we've got it broken down into building painting social aspect events collecting converting competitive play and storytelling so andrew what is the base of your hobby pyramid Oh, well, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for more than a couple episodes, you know my base is just the painting. I That is what I do. That is my Zen activity after a long day at work or, you know, my friends are off doing something else and I got nothing else to do. I'm going to paint. I got painting to do. That's what got me into the hobby. Uh, well, orcs are what got me into the hobby. Painting is what made me stay in the hobby, though. So painting painting is the bu- the building block of my pyramid, the the foundational stone. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of right there with you, uh, except mine's not painting. Mine is also the hobby aspect, but it's building and converting. Both of those are the two just, just the baseline thing that I love to do in this hobby. Like, if you look at my pile of shame... Almost everything in it, with the exception of that fucking Bane Blade, is built. It's just not painted. Because, like, it's built and I love converting. Like, case in point, that fucking Caldor gang I've been working on. Like, uh, I have put every ounce of energy and thought into that over the past three weeks to just make sure every one of those guys looks different. And I, I love the building and painting aspect. Like, that is my, my fucking core set of this hobby my baseline programming well i'm almost right there with you because that is the next layer of my food pyramid is building and is building and converting because uh i i have currently one box that's unbuilt in the entirety of my pile of shame and it's just another uh nomads gang because i want to wait till their book comes out so i know what weapons they can legally take so i'm I'm just waiting on that i might go ahead and build all the torsos and stuff just to have them ready to go once i know what they can take but uh that's that's the only thing I, I like that seeing a model on a sprue unbuilt for more than like 20 minutes uh, gives me the shakes. So <laughs> I, I got to put that stuff together as soon as I can. Yeah. So my next one is painting. Um, I'm not a great painter by any stretch. I've come a long way in the past, even just two years with my painting ability. So it's still it's still a pretty crucial part to me on my hobby. Uh, when I play, I prefer to have my stuff painted. Even if it's not fully painted, as long as I'm making progress on it, I'm really happy with doing that. And games look better when everything's painted. Like, if you oh, yeah. if you look at the, the Necromunda um, final game we did, everything was painted on that entire table. All fucking five people's gangs, every piece of fucking terrain... Every tile, even uh, even the minis that Phil was using as like the bad guys in that, all painted. 
and it looked phenomenal. And if just <laughs> even even the cool escape craft fill printed off yeah, like, like two, two days, days before. before, he just fucking cranked it through. It was it was awesome. And like if chunks of it weren't painted, it would just really pull away from it in my mind. Oh yeah, no. Like once once you fully get something painted, you you, you get a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. that you really wouldn't expect. Like even if you're you don't have the best uh, paint scheme ever, or if your painting ability is not the best, like just having finished the project is a real sense of like pride and accomplishment. It's a real dopamine rush. Yeah, especially when you plop it down on the table and you got somebody else who's just as excited to have their cool finished army with yours. And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, let's roll some dice now. Like when we played that fucking fully painted uh, parking lot game. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty silly, but, but very cool. it was cool. so cool looking. But here's the thing, oh. is I, I don't shame anybody who doesn't paint. Because forever I hated to paint. I got zero joy out of painting. And if you're in it for just playing the game, cool. More power to you, man. Uh I don't have a problem playing against unpainted armies. If we're at an event or something like that, it's probably a little bit different, especially if it's somebody I don't know. But I'm not going to shame anybody for not painting, for wanting to be part of the hobby still. Well, it's probably a little bit illegal per the, the tournament's rules, but yeah, no, it just yeah, depends, it on, depends on your tournament, depends on your event. But even then, you can still get away with, like, baseline, like, three or four paints. So mm-hmm. you can have a, quote, done army without actually being done, and that's enough for some people, and that's fine. What's, uh, what's, your, what's your next pyramid block uh this is a block that actually there, there was a minor earthquake relatively recently and this one got shuffled into uh into the next block status which uh up until the last couple of years it really was a lot higher up on the pyramid but uh the social aspect um i started off this hobby essentially solo like i i liked the models and i just wanted to start painting i had a buddy who would play the game with me occasionally but when i started i still lived at my parents place and they live in the fucking sticks so it was legitimately like a 45 minute drive to get to any kind of hobby shop so i wasn't going to make that kind of journey but now that i live in an area where there's uh, a couple of stores to choose from now that we have a really solid gaming group together because of our, our necromunda gangs uh the the social aspect has become one of the foundational blocks of my pyramid because i get really excited to have to meet up on wednesdays to play blood bowl or necromunda and on the weekends that i'm not hanging out with the girlfriend or doing something else and i can actually you know slam some hams with some some h sigmar or something it's awesome I, I really get jazzed about it now and that was just not an aspect until fairly recently yeah i'm, I'm right there with you that's also my next step up is the social aspect because I love playing this game. I love interacting with the people I'm playing the game with. I even have a good time just, like, going while other people are playing the game and hanging out and shooting the shit. Like, on Wednesday nights, I'm just as happy to fucking hang out and have a beer and just fuck around with uh, with Phil and Matt as, like, Andrew and Bobby are playing a game or something. Like, I love it. I love the social aspect. And just the fact that, like... Yeah, no, like, uh, uh, it, it, sometimes when we're doing, you know, group Necromunda and we have, you know, six, four to six of us playing, sometimes your game finishes early because you either get dumpstered or do the dumpstering. Yeah. And it really is just as fun to watch other people play that game and hang out, and like you said, have a beer, get some pretzels or something, just while while one person's going and the other's waiting for their turn, just talking strategy or whatever, you know, commenting their new model, saying, oh, good paint job or whatever. It's just, it's fun. I, I really like the social mm-hmm. aspect now. And I liked it a lot before but then after covid and the lockdown and losing the social part of this hobby moved it a lot lower into my pyramid where it's a more crucial thing for me 
dude, yes, having two years where you couldn't safely meet up with anybody really made me appreciate, A, being able to, like, high-five somebody in person, and B, just, like, actually play a game and, and do my hobby. Yeah, like, it was, it makes a difference. Like, it would still be one of my core blocks if we didn't have COVID, I feel like, but this definitely solidifies it where it was almost down before even, uh, even painting on mine. Yeah, because we were we were definitely have we had a pretty solid group going before COVID, but it really feels like after COVID, when we've been vaccinated and can properly meet up, we we're we we're really getting into the swing of having a proper group of people meeting up, oh, yeah. and it's really it's tremendous. I'm I'm greatly enjoying it. It really is. It's a it's a fantastic outlet. Okay, well, uh, my next block on my my hobby food pyramid is uh, collecting. Uh, even though we've talked about it before, how I'm. I don't really have much darlings. I'm I'm willing to sell an army at the drop of a hat. Uh, I really do enjoy seeing a, a what I feel is a completed army. I like having mm-hmm. at least one of every model in the range. No such thing it's... as a completed army. Yeah, exactly. But I like <laughs> I like I like having the the foe completed of at least one model in every range, except for you know something stupid like chaos where there's twelve thousand models for it. Uh, but like when my gloom spike gets, I think the only thing I'm currently missing from that range is a group of spider riders, and that's just because I lost steam on them because they've been so bad for so long. But I have everything else in that range right now and i love it it's awesome i love seeing just this huge green tide of of uh, a full army you know 60 plus grots and fucking dozens of uh, squig riders and trolls and everything it's awesome do you have the uh, uh the artillery squig thing the loogie thing that is one of the few ones i'm missing okay. i don't have the art- the forge world artillery squig i don't have so forge world i'm a little uh yeah, I would like it for my my collection, but those are a little harder to get just because yeah, of the sure. price. But well, um, you scored a pretty sweet deal on that troll hag. That was super lucky. <laughs> that was that was like half price. Yeah, was, I don't bad. Uh, I still have a feeling that was probably recast. Oh, absolutely. There's almost no chance it wasn't. But like, Forge World's fucking price, my dudes. Mm-hmm. It's like as long as it doesn't look bad on the table, I don't give a shit if it's recast. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, same thing with, like, my current Necromunda stuff. That's one of the reasons I'm getting them. Like, I know the Servitor Ogrens really aren't that great compared to, like, an Ambot price-wise in Necromunda, but I like having that completed sense. I like having the option to go, oh, I would like to take this guy with these credits. I want to take this Hive Scum. I want to have this Bounty Hunter. So I do plan on, like, eventually snowballing and having most, if not all, of the Bounty Hunters for Necromunda. I, I, I like that collection aspect of it a lot. I it's probably comes with uh, being six when the first Pokemon game came out and yeah. uh, just kind of stuck with me since then yeah I, i'm def- i think i think most of us in this hobby are pokemon collectors for sure yeah like uh i haven't really properly played a pokemon game since like pokemon silver but uh this definitely tickles that same itch oh yeah for sure tickles the itch scratches the itch no 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 tickles the itch tickles the pickle scratches the itch got it scratches the pickle tickles the itch don't scratch the pickle don't scratch the pickle Uh, Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) how about you? What's your next block? (laughs) Uh, So my next block is uh, it was kind of a toss up between between collecting and telling a story with it. But I think I think telling a story kind of ekes it out a little bit more. Uh, All of my armies have a massive head cannon for them. What I mean is like in my mind, I have a very specific way of how I build out my armies that has to match how it seems in my head. Like, uh, yeah, so my guard army is entirely mechanized. There's no reason for it to be. Chimeras are terrible. But in my head, I was like, I want to make a mechanized force. So every decision that I've made building out that army is based on my head cannon. 
Uh, and all of my armies are like that. And Kill Team is a really good outlet for that as well. Because it allows me to convert a little bit more. But all of my armies have little conversions in them as well for things that fit that specific headcanon. So even my um, my Necromunda stuff. Like, I was like, I want to make a fucking cult that sees the Emperor as someone who lives at the top of the hive. So, like, that's what they believe is, you know, the Emperor lives in the top of the hive. He's up in the spires. The sheen birds fly up there, so they, they dress themselves as the birds in hopes to fly and ascend to the top to where the sheen birds are, where they can fly around and actually meet the Emperor. So, like, hmm. that's the doofy headcanon I want my guys to have birds. Yeah, I, uh, spoilers, this one's a little higher up my pyramid. I tend to be very general with my storytelling. Gotcha. Um, Because I... Like, I do role-playing games. I play D&D almost every week. Uh, but for some reason, like Warhammer and Necromunda, it's a little bit easier because your gang is smaller and it can feel a lot yeah. more personal. But I know a lot of people who are, like, very into being like, this is Commander Biggest Dickus. He is, you know, head of the army. He does this. This is Lieutenant fucking Stonkastack. He's this guy. He does this. Like, there are people who go really into, like, each and every single individual aspect of their army. Whereas I'm like, ah, orcs are fun. What color? <laughs> Color's cool. Yeah, death skulls. Why? Ah, they loot stuff. That's fun. That's that's like genuinely the entirety of my building behind the army. I like the play style and I like how they look, and that's kind of about it. That's fair. <laughs> but uh, um, also with the little... go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Also with the telling a story, not just how I like compose my army, but how I build my lists for my armies goes into it a lot. But even playing the game, like. It's like, mm, this is a fucking Emperor's Champion of the Black Templar. I was like, I could win this game if he just pulls back and kills these two mooks on the objective. But there's an enemy fucking hero right there. Like, that's what he would do. So, like, I like now my that, games to be as cinematic and narrative as possible. Now that I will do. Yeah. I, I like, you know ballpark generalized storytelling for my armies but while an actual game is happening gotcha. i'll be like oh my orc war boss whiffed on this fight and your guy retreated he's going after him. Exactly. yeah a because i get very single-minded when it comes to warhammer no, and b because it's what an orc would do yeah, yeah no. no i uh i've definitely lost several games because i'm like no 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 i have to kill that guy but if i if i kill the two mooks on the objective everything will be fine no yeah murder he dies <laughs> but yeah that's why that aspect, more of it being in the game itself and the playstyle of it, is why that's kind of squeaked down for me. Yeah, that I can definitely get by. Yeah. What's uh, what's your next your next well, block? Well, out of our block, uh, out of our list, I would have to say uh, a combo of events and competitive play. Where um, I'm not a super competitive gamer. I've, I've discussed it before. I'm, I'm mostly there to have fun, and I can lose every game I play for the rest of eternity yeah. as long as it's a good game. Um, but I. Even though we haven't done many of them yet, I am very much enjoying going to events at this point, mostly because it's like, you know, road trip as well as just hanging out with buddies. And then when you get to the place you're going, you get to drink beer and have a good time. Exactly. And that is that is a good thing I can get behind for a competitive tournament for sure. And that is why I'm super excited about Slaughter Day at <laughs> oh Nova, God, right? where we're just playing Blood Bowl for eight hours because <laughs> Blood Bowl is the ultimate not terribly competitive, let's have a couple of beers kind of game. Yeah, so, so that works out well, because my, my next to the top one is also a split one, and it's split between events and collecting. Collecting on the same vein as you, uh, Pokemon as a kid, like, I like to have big, large collections of stuff, um, but it's not my driving force in it. Like, it's cool to have, and I'll just get duplicates of a bunch of stuff, and I like to have a little bit of everything in the range, but if I don't, it's not that big deal to me. 
I don't I don't have like a FOMO on, you know, collecting everything. Uh, but events used to probably be the very top of this pyramid, but they're pretty quickly ticking their way down to the base levels. Because, yeah, like, there's just something special about that that trip going to the place, for one, is always a blast. Every time we've gone to one of these, we've had at least, like, I've had at least two other people with me, and we just had a, it's been a fucking big road trip. Then you get there, and you're just surrounded by, like, a thousand other just fucking idiot nerds for the same shit you were excited about. And it's, it's, a, it's awesome. Like, having every person there who paid money to go just geek out on the same shit is huge. Yeah, and a lot of these, you know, we're cutting it up into a food pyramid, but honestly, yeah. a lot of these are a lot more, uh, there's a lot more overlap than a pyramid oh, would sure, like. Um, sure. Maybe like a, a log cabin where you kind of overlap <laughs> the logs if you really want to get into our, architecture. Our hobby Lincoln log pyramid cabin? Yeah, exactly. The, the food pyramid was bullshit anyway. We can do it whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's not even a real thing anymore. It's hilarious. I think they've tried to update it a couple of times, and it had, like, weird vertical slices, but it's like, y'all, that's not how you that's build a fucking pyramid. pyramid. It's a TP, but I think it's uh, it's not PC if you call it the food TP. The food TP would be amazing, <laughs> and yeah, I'm sure that would that would not be great for not a be, very marginalized no, group of people. it would be very bad. <laughs> like, we laugh at it, but, like, seriously, that's fucked up. It's... Laugh to laugh to not cry. Yeah. Um, laugh to not yeah, cry. No, indeed. like <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> 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 laughing at all the Warhammer litter, all that extra leftover sprue. Oh know, god, crying on without on the side of the road. Um, lost my fucking train of thought. <laughs> oh, there's a there's there's a lot of overlap. Um, so like m- a lot of that goes back to the the previous you know block of the pyramid where it's the social aspect i like being able to hang out with my buddies for a long weekend and have an excuse to do that instead of worrying about work for a few days and you know just just general hanging out with the atmosphere of people who you know we've talked about it before this person you might disagree with on everything about life but they're at this event which means they like warhammer which means you at least have common ground you can at least be like oh man that's a fucking cool army you're probably wearing like a shirt for some political something i don't agree with or i can just tell we will not enjoy each other in any other aspect but those custodes are really cool you know something like that because yeah. of course they would have a fucking custodes army <laughs> uh, so uh i think we probably have the same thing as the tippy tops of our pyramids andrew oh yeah which one's yours uh competitive competitive play yeah mine's a uh, kind of a tie between competitive play and storytelling uh, fair enough you want to you want to talk about uh, what you what draws you away from those two aspects uh, probably playing team sports as a kid and really not enjoying that. I, I really genuinely don't care for the competitive aspect. I don't like, cause I'm very bad about getting worked up about like a game and getting very disappointed with myself if I lose. And it's a fucking dice game. Yeah. There's a reason our podcast is called Dice Like Ice. We don't roll well frequently, except for that last game of Blood Bowl where I rolled nothing. But eight. <laughs> that was fucking infuriating. Broke so much armor, it was glorious. It's never gonna happen. At least again. you were just mostly just stunning them. Yeah, no, it was, it was not murder half. after murder. It, it could have been worse. The game I played um, against fucking Matt. But yeah, like you know, you can make it. You can you can pad your statistics to the nth degree. You can have like the most statistically sound army and still roll nothing but ones. It's totally possible. Oh, yeah. And so I hate that aspect of getting very worked up about something I feel like I should be doing good at, but I'm not. Uh, and so I choose to just, you know, 
not. <laughs> I, I play almost entirely friendly matches. I, I don't like getting mad at people. I don't like getting mad at myself. I'm there to roll dice and see cool models. That's pretty much it. So I'm, I'm very much not a competitive player, even though we're going to competitive tournaments for fucking funsies. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's up there because it's kind of the same thing, but you know, I enjoyed team sports as a kid, but, um, but with Warhammer, it just, there's so much little like gotcha stuff. Oh my in God. the in yes. the like the high level competitive scene, that it's just not fun to me to have to remember that many rules for a game that I like to just play to relieve stress and have fun. I will say that the exception to that though is if one of my buddies, uh, usually it's Doctor Chris, goes, "Hey, let's play a game. Let's run hard lists." Or like when we played against Phil and Matt, we're like, "Let's run a doubles game. Let's run hard lists." That's different. Like I really yeah. enjoy that, um, especially when it's with a buddy or something, because like. After the game or after you make a move, you can discuss it, and it helps you both get better at it. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of gotchas in both 40K and Age of Sigmar, mm-hmm. but when it's a friend that you know and like, you know that the gotcha is not coming from a place of malice. Yeah. It's coming from a, uh, uh, you asked for a hard list, I'm trying to give you a, a good game. Exactly. And usually they'll be like, mm, you sure you want to do that? And you'll be like, bucket, no, but why not? <laughs> yeah, but I already said it, and I'm an idiot. Yeah. And we talked about how I'll charge headlong into dumb shit for funsies. Yep. So. Yeah, the, the one thing that I do like about competitive is going into a competitive league or tournament or something like that with just an absolutely fucking stupid list and playing it. Cause like <laughs> I'll go in expecting to lose hard. Like the, the league that I got fucking second place in our local shop a while back, I played an entire armored company list at the beginning of ninth edition when tanks were the worst they've ever been and got yeah, second in the that league was because no very... one expected. They were like, I don't know how to deal with that. Very not the meta, no. and they didn't take that many las cannons and melted guns. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, he's playing guard, he's running fucking loyal thirty two and some other bullshit, or mass conscript hordes and mortars. Nope, I got no fucking boots on the ground. Like everything's got treads. Or um, when we went to the Meeple tournament, I'm like, I'm bringing fucking Bretonians. Yeah, back in second ed <laughs> yeah. when Bretonians were still technically legal. Like, I don't even know how was, to fight these. I'm like, nah, that's cool. That was the secret. Yeah, that was the secret meta buster. Like, <laughs> fucking... you, you went against Zinch, you went against ogres, you went against fire slayers. They didn't know what the hell to do against you. Yeah, I fucking I, I trounced the damn lizard man. Uh, I had the Zinch flamer meta on the back ropes, where if one roll would have gone my way, I probably would have won that fucking game. And then I fucking played tactically enough against fire slayers to beat him. It was just like, what the fuck? It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have worked. Those were all three matchups that I should have lost. But it's one of those ones where if they if they actually knew your army, you probably would have got steamrolled, but just nobody knew what the fuck you could do because who plays Bretonians? And every other (laughs) army that's got a fucking cavalry unit with lances is horrifying. Not Bretonians. Bretonians suck buttholes with lances for some reason, but everything has them. So everyone's like, oh no, that's a lot of damage. It's not. (laughs) It's really not. It's AP minus one damage too. You're gonna be fine. The army whose whole shtick is cavalry is (laughs) bad at cavalry. by a significant margin fucking four up armor damage one no rend unless you charge then one rend damage two woo and that was uh the tournament where the it was the beginning of the gets being fucking awful and i lost every match mostly because i went against ogres twice twice, and that was when they just they just started fiddling with the uh mortals on the charge you know third edition rules i 
I know they're not particularly good now, but I still don't like ogres because of <laughs> second edition Age of Sigmar. And also because the chubby hunt aesthetic is not my thing. Yeah, I don't... The Yetis are cool models. The Yetis are really cool models, especially <laughs> those 3D printed ones that Matt had. Mm-hmm. Those are really cool. They actually looked beefy and crazy and yeah. fun. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Uh, yeah, no. That's uh, that's mine and Andrew's Hobby Pyramids. Uh, listeners, you know, feel free, write in, uh, leave us a Ooh. voicemail, however you want to uh, text us. Uh, a fun side note to the oh, Hoppy yeah, Pyramid. Yeah. What is our what is our alcohol? Because the Hoppy Pyramid tended to have like a bubble floating off in the middle of nowhere, where it's like alcohol sometimes for some people. What's what's your sometimes for some people of the Hoppy Pyramid? Ooh, probably alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I was gonna say Forge World. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that's actually a really good one too. Kind of an expensive thing, not necessarily healthy for the wallet. You know, it's it's a fun every now and again kind of thing. If you have too much of it, it'll kill you because resin dust is toxic. <laughs> Because resin dust is toxic and you'll starve to exactly. death. Yeah. Uh, I always forget about the alcohol on the side. Yeah, because we saw that in fucking primary school. They weren't. They didn't bother putting it in the books. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's our hobby pyramids with uh, alcohol bubble on the side. Uh, so this week we're doing another special episode where we are sitting down to do a roundtable talk with uh, Matt and Phil. Uh, Matt was one of the main guys in the Necromunda campaign, and Phil was the one who built, painted, organized, and arbitrated the whole thing, which, holy shit, that was a job to keep us cats herded. Yeah, this'll be, uh, it'll probably be a combo of thoughts on the Necromunda campaign, and, like, I'm assuming probably just discussing 3D printing in general with a guy who is legitimately a 3D printing fiend. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, um, we technically ran a Dark Uprising campaign, you know. Talk about, hey, these were the things we did great in it. These are the things we totally missed in it. Capturing. Here's the things we flat fucking forgot. <laughs> yeah. The rules we fucked up on, what we would change in the next one, stuff like that. It'll be a be a little freeform discussion. Like I said, we're recording that in a couple of days. Probably release that the week after this one is released. Yeah, it'll definitely be a lot more uh, loosey-goosey. And who knows, it'll either be an hour or three hours, just depending on how good the conversation is. Exactly. So. Um, and how much edi- uh, editing Tony feels like doing. So. Yeah, that, <laughs> that that will probably be, since it's going to be one of the bonus style episodes, it will probably be less editing in it than this one. Uh, and our other yeah, as ones, long as the uh, long as the audio is not outright terrible, then you know, just let it go. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll let it ride. I'll, I'll take out big pauses and stuff like that. So we'll see, um, see how that one goes. But a uh, quick announcement as well. Uh, if you're enjoying our podcast, please do drop us a rate on there and a subscribe because that does help other listeners find the podcast you can also always email us reach out to us on instagram we've got a facebook page now as well dice like ice podcast check us out on the social medias interact with us we'd love to see what other people are working on see what your hobby pyramids are uh and just you know what kind of things you're into with the hobby Tell us we're a bunch of chuckle fuck idiots. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, we might have a fun back and forth response or just ignore you, but hey, whatever. If you've made it this far in the podcast, joke's on you, fuck it. Yeah, right? Uh, recommend a different type of beer to Andrew that's not an IPA or a milkshake. I'm drinking a, I drank a sour tonight. That is a distinctly different beer. <laughs> that's fair. That is very It may be burp a lot, but it was a very different beer. <laughs> it still has like nine fucking flavors in it. Uh, uh excuse me, three flavors. Uh, it was only a 4.8 alcohol too, so I could have had like six of these. Yeah, yeah the, the Taco Tuesday, what is this? Oh, it's only 4.5, so stay hydrated. Ah, I win. <laughs> I win. Yeah, go figure. The sour beer has more than the Mexican lager. Yeah, yeah, Mexican lager is just, that's drinking beer. Yeah, that's that's all day beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
right, so before we get out of here, Andrew and I have both touched on this a little bit in this episode. We've talked about some of the technique for it in another episode where we talked technical paints. I want to do a little quick hobby tip of painting rust effects. And I, I think rusting and weathering is something we do pretty similarly, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've shared tips about that a few times, so we, we have very similar techniques. Yeah, so my recipe for it is lead belcher, or well, black undercoat, lead belcher, uh, a full wash of Nuln, little bitty patch washes of Agrax, or uh, oddly enough, occasionally I do Seraphim Sepia if I want like some good, some good creepy oil drip, like a hydraulic fluid look to it. Seraphim Sepia works great for that. Uh, and then I do water down scrag brown in the recesses and uh, a little bit of lead belcher and necron compound for some scratches on things is how, uh, so I do some rusty weathering, but my rusty weathering doesn't have a lot of texturing to it. Does yours at all? Or is it kind of the same? Uh, depends on the model. I usually go for a little bit of texture. Um, like we've been saying multiple podcasts in a row, we've been playing a lot of Necromunda yeah. and there ain't a clean thing in Necromunda. Ooh, if you got a not. clean Necromunda gang, well, first of all, the era models paint them how you want to, but second of all, shame on you. It should be dirty as fuck. <laughs> um, unless you're Vance No, Unless, even then, they still probably have a, a sheen of grime to them, but, like, <laughs> not uh, quite on the same level. Yeah, um, yeah so I've, I've been experimenting and trying a lot of different things to get gross effects. Um, honestly, if you want just, like, a very fast, dirty effect on metal wash an old oil wash agrax that dulls down any metal gets mm -hmm. just enough shine through it so you can still tell it's metal but like it looks like it's grungy it looks like it's been dragged through the mud or something and then wiped off so it's it's just very dulled down so if you're if you're feeling lazy but you still want the effect null oil agrax good to go um I, I, I would just recommend looking up pictures on Google just like of layers of rust to try and get the effect that you want because mm -hmm. there's a lot of different types of rust. You can have like, you know, uh, I don't know, you left a tool outside in the rain for a couple weeks or something. That's going to have like spots of rust. So what you want to do with that, you want to do some stippling of Rhinox hide, maybe a couple of tiny patches of Skag Brown or something, a little bit of rust. If you want to have like, this motherfucker's been left underwater for 20 <laughs> years and then you pulled it up and let it oxidize properly, you're going to want a lot of oranges on that one. That's going to be some really gnarly rust. That's, that's going to be textured rust. So that's when you want to get Typhus Corrosion texture paint uh, because it has grit inside of it so that way you get like the actual texture to it it looks like it's got bits and bobs of oxidized metal in it you slap that on maybe add a little bit of uh, agrax wash on top of it just for some brown color variation stipple on a little bit of rhinox a little bit of uh, skag brown start highlighting up with stuff like troll slayer orange if you want that really bright orange effect to make that rust look really really rusty there's a lot you can do. Uh, there's also a lot of stuff you can do with, like, just streaky grime effects. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be rust, but it can still look corroded. Uh, Nylock Oxide is a really good uh, technical paint for that. Like, I like to do on uh, my orc stuff and a lot of stuff that has big, obvious bolts. Uh, hit that with a, a, a little dab, get a very thin brush, get a little dab of Agrax, and just gently run that around the bolt and just let it drip. It doesn't yep. have to be a huge drip, just a little bit so it looks like there's been some weathering on it. And then do the same thing with a little bit of Nylock Oxide after that once it's dried. So that way you get kind of a, uh, a shadowy, just like gross, like it's just been left out kind of effect. Yeah, um, I do that, uh, that Agrax and Nuln Oil on uh, tanks a lot. Looks yeah. really good from the streaks on that. 
Yeah, and you don't have to do like a full overwash too. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can stipple it on. You could add patches of it, and make it look discolored, like Tony was saying. Add in some serif from sepia. Uh, if you're playing like 40k or something, there's all kinds of alien worlds. Oh, yeah. You could do like acid corrosion. Like you you can really go wild with it. There's there's a lot you could do, especially with the range of texture paints that they currently have now. A lot of stuff like um, Nurgle's rod. If you want to get like a nuclear effect or something, it's just you know sky's the limit when it comes to this sort of stuff yeah um there's also a really good it's, it's not a gw paint but it's actually called streaking crime it's a weather effect paint you can get that it's it's fantastic for that just well streaky grime uh it, it looks kind of in between um like seraphim sepia and like a dark brown it's that yellowy brown kind of grime look but that works fantastic for any like vehicles or barrels and stuff like uh, the rims of barrels you can usually hit that and just bring it down if you really want a fun project just to dirty up go to like whatever local shop carries models and go to their their like vehicle models and stuff and pick up like the jerry cans and barrels box that every model shop always seems to have and those are great to just play around with different rusting and weathering effects because it's a fucking barrel that's sat outside forever and then it's nice little details you can add to other terrain or even just scatter terrain on your table where it's not just empty roads and buildings yeah and it's a good way to test like um you know say this barrel's been left half under an awning you could have mm. test like location weathering so like one half of this barrel is going to be way more gnarly than the other half there'll still be a little bit just because it's been outside on um, one side but the other half is going to be significantly more grimy and rusty so it's a good way to you know kind of vary up your terrain as well yeah um, a lot of people also like to use oil washes i've personally never used them have you ever I've, tried those before tony i've not you talking about taking an oil paint and thinning it down and washing with it yeah, yeah. i have not so i can't attest to how to do that uh, i've watched like one quick video back in the day i was like mm, that's a lot of work when i can just crack a pot of agrax open exactly uh i know phil uses a lot of the oil paints or right. oil washes well, he, on he his does Necromunda much terrain. larger scale than we do yeah and i uh, the results do speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. You you guys have seen pictures of us of our it's our amazing. his necromunda terrain on our our Instagram, and it's it's got that proper like grimy worn effect. So uh, we'll pick his brain about that next episode when we do our roundtable and uh, see how he does that. But uh, it it definitely gets the gross weathered effect for sure. Yeah, it really does. Um, and that weathering and that rust streaking, it, it makes a huge difference. Even if you've got, like, models that are cookie-cutter and kind of the same over and over again, just adding different weathering and rust patterns to stuff makes them look like different models. Oh, for sure. Uh, Like, the Necromunda bases, I love how the bases look, but there's only, like, four of them. Mm -hmm. So changing up, like, you know, paints and, like, caution patterns and various weathering can really make two of the exact same base look very different mm-hmm. so it's it's a well worth doing just for that sort of thing even if you don't want to go full crazy on like you know terrain sets or anything like that yeah it's yeah, that is the downside of the necromunda bases there's only those i think it's four or five basic designs of them 
Yeah, there's like four of the 20, 28 mil ones, uh, like two 32s, and then the 40 yeah. is all the same. Yeah. Because my, my AMBOTS and my Ogren servitors have all the exact same base, and I just had to change up the weathering, like I said. Yeah, I changed up the weathering of where I put the hazard striping on them. Some of them I put more on the outside and stuff like that. Yeah, go more heavy on the paint chipping on one versus the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then where I'm getting that worn look. Yeah, and where you position the mini as well, so it doesn't look the exact same. But I think that's going to wrap it up for our show. It's, it's right. It should be after we edit it down right around that 90-minute mark, which is our our sweet spot, I believe. Our general goal, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, Andrew, what kind of advice do you want to leave him with tonight? What you got for us? Oh, um, well, let's see. Uh, boil your sponges occasionally. Sometimes you get a kitchen sponge. It's still good to go, but you've been using it for a long time, and it's getting a little gnarly. That place is uh, chock-fucking-full of bacteria, so occasionally you just want to, you know, heat up the kettle and pour it in a bowl and, and kill off some of that bacteria. Yeah. Because uh, you don't want to hand wash your dishes and have them, you know, oh, you got the food off, but it's still fucking gross. Yeah, for sure. Um, replace sponges and things like that regularly as well. Like, that too. That's that's the better thing. Yeah. But if, you, if you're either strapped for cash or just lazy, boil your sponges. Yeah, boil them, bleach them, do something to kill that bacteria, guys. You know, food safety is important safety. Exactly. This this goes hand in hand when I said don't wash your chicken if you have exactly. to go. Apparently, Andrew's had a very gnarly case of some form of foodborne illness, judging by the last couple mm-hmm. of episodes. Not at all. <laughs> I'm just that's and you that's, know that's why my because he follows his own advice. Exactly. That's that's just what I go to when you ask for tips. Now I'm like, uh, kitchen safety. <laughs> hey man, whatever works. Car car safety. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm s- one of us on this podcast is Serve Safe certified. Guess which one? <laughs> Not the dude bowling sponges. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, all righty. Well, you heard it here first, kids. Boil your sponges if you're too lazy to replace them. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for our show. Thank you all once again for listening, and have a good night. Night. Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under DiceLikeIcePodcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to Scarlet Saturn for use of their music in our show.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.